Happy 4th of July and welcome to Paperback Readers. Hope you're doing well reading plenty and hydrating because if your part of the world is anything like ours, uh, it's somewhere near the surface of the sun and it's a good day to not work and I guess to talk about and think about books instead. Yeah, I hope that you have a day off from work and that you are getting to either be inside and read all day or out in a hammock and read all day. Either way, it's a great way to pass the day. It is that. Well, I'm sure you've got a ton because you're literally like running the library ragged. I go to pick up books. They see me come in the door and they <laughs> head for the, the hold table. They hey, it's not my fault. Some of those books I have had on hold for weeks and weeks and they just all come in at once. But literally, you've gotten me, I, I want to say like 10 books in the last week. I mean, you read like a book a day right now. We, we're just going to have your show and then I'll pop in as a special guest like once a quarter and say I read three books. But. I only read five books over the last two weeks, but I think part of that is because I was reading so many books at a time. Um, I think at one point I had five books going at the same time. I can't read like that. I cannot get anything done that way. So right now I'm back to focusing on just two with another one hovering <laughs> in the background. <laughs> yeah, I think at one point lately I was like, I'm reading six different books. No wonder I'm not making much progress on any of them. No, but... the, the system works because it works. But then I get a lot of books and they look good and I want to read them all at once. It's also a reason I do so much nonfiction. If I was doing six different novels at the same time, I think I'd get them all confused but. but the novels really do go faster than the nonfiction. maybe that's your secret i don't know i don't know our shared read this week is fiction and you read it faster than any nonfiction book that you've read lately that is true in part because i needed to talk about it today but anyway. <laughs> in part because i kept saying are you ever going to get finished did you read any more today i did not all right you're going to go first what have you read over the last two weeks okay it's a varied group Lincoln in private, what his most personal reflections tell us about our 16th president by Ronald C. White. Um, I read Lincoln books all the time. This one is different. This guy, Ronald White, went back and found little notes Lincoln wrote to himself. He was kind of like a journaler. He would write down these fragments and these scraps of things and set them aside. And probably most of them got destroyed or mislaid somewhere. But of the ones that survived, White dug up a handful and used them to talk about the various facets of Lincoln's life. And it really was an interesting thing. I didn't learn anything new, per se, but I came away with a, a real respect for this ability to just put down fragments and thoughts and ideas. I mean, a lot of this was stuff that worked its way into speeches later, and he was kind of coming up with the beginnings of positions. Um, he, he did a long one in there, which is kind of theological where he's talking about God and slavery uh, and, and you can very much get overtones of, of what's going to come five to ten years later it's starting to work through in his mind so an interesting way to think about Lincoln as a writer uh, and Lincoln as a person so can I just say that I think my favorite one of my favorite things anyway about the latest trip that we made to Ford's theater was the huge the three-story stack of Lincoln books that you said were all the Lincoln books that have ever been published? I, that can't be so, but it feels but like it's, it. It's a three-story stack. And yeah. the fun thing about it was walking down the spiral staircase around it and listening to you going, I've read that. 
I've read that, and then I'm recognizing books out of the stat too. So you really, you really do read a lot of Lincoln books, and more and on are, my list. There yeah. are a lot of Lincoln books in the world. Well, that was the other thing. I'm walking by, going, "That's on the shelf at home. I got to get to that." <laughs> I've heard that's really good. I'm walking by, looking at it, and being like, "Yep, he's read that, got that. I know that's by my bed." <laughs> yeah, so yeah. tons of stuff, and you've you've read a good chunk of them. I have uh, on a very different note. Game Changers, the Greatest Plays in Buffalo Bills Football History by Marv Levy, former Bills coach. Yes, that's a very abrupt subject change. It is. Uh, it's a very light book. I read it on the, the e-reader. It was a good thing to read at night to try to drift off to sleep. Uh, Marv Levy was the coach of the Bills. He was the coach who lost those three straight Super Bowls. So some of these moments he's like, well, I was thinking this, and the team had done that. And some of them go deeper in Bills history. A lot of stuff I didn't know anything about, so... Yeah, it's a quick read. It's it's not uh, the depths of Lincoln biography or anything here, but if you, like me, uh, somehow found yourself rooting for one of the most random NFL teams imaginable, then you might enjoy this. Or if you maybe still in your own coat closet also have a giant Buffalo Bills coat that you've had since you were in seventh grade and won't get rid of. Four score and seven years ago, <laughs> I brought forth the Buffalo Bills coat, and yes, I do still have it. it it's a lot more snug than it was when I was, yeah, 14 or 15, whatever it was when I got that. But uh, that's a story for another day. Um, another one I did, uh, this was an audio one, and listened to it with Natalie, Dave Barry's Worst Songs and Other Hits. And let me just say, she fell in love with Dave Barry. She borrowed one of your other Dave Barry books. Oh, we've read that one together. Yeah, she, she said I. that you guys had read it together, but she borrowed it and was reading it by herself. And I just... I love watching her laugh while she reads the book. It's so much fun. Yeah, well, it's fun to have a kid who's old enough to start to find the things funny that you found funny when you were that age. And Dave Barry's kind of an evergreen. Uh, Worst Songs and Other Hits was fun. It's a book of columns uh, led with his column about the worst songs in the world, which entirely will, will have you laughing and going, oh, no, it's stuck in my head for the rest of the week because he goes through a lot of those songs and, I'll spare you the indignity. Yeah, there, there's my July the Fourth kindness for everyone. I'm not going to talk about. Oh, there are plenty I could, but I won't. Thank you, because all of your favorite songs massively get stuck in my head. Well, these aren't even my favorites. <laughs> these are the ones I hate I because they get stuck in my head. Uh, another book that I read, been on my shelf for a while. Springsteen on Springsteen: Interviews, Speeches, and Encounters. Edited by Jeff Berger because it's all Springsteen stuff, either interviews or. Speeches, uh, his speech he gave at South by Southwest is the last thing in here. And it's a good summation of his career and his philosophy. The early stuff is kind of funny because, you know, he's young and foolish and says things that we say when we're young and foolish. But uh, it, it's cool to see his maturation uh, as an artist, certainly as manifested in his ability to speak, which, you know, this came out well before the Broadway show became a thing. Obviously, that took it to a whole other level, this idea that he could tell a story so well that he could take it to Broadway. But uh, That was a great show. Yeah, yeah. I can't recommend the book as highly as that. If, if you want a nickel's worth of this, watch Springsteen on Broadway, which I think is still on Netflix. Uh, but if you're a hardcore Boss fan as I am, Springsteen on Springsteen brings together uh, some old familiar ones and some new ones and just a good cross-section of his 
thoughts, comments, and stories from over his years. It is quite a picture of him on the front, also. It is that. It's, uh, I saw him the other day uh, somewhere on social media, and I often forget that he's 72 years old now. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, it comes for us all or it doesn't, and that takes us up to the shared book. And before we do that, I'm going to let you get your picks in. I was going to say, do I not get to talk this week? <laughs> you're already just so ready to talk about this book. It should be your podcast. I'm the guest here. jumping into it. No. No, I've only read five books, and so I think we're pretty much on the same this time. Um, The first one that I read is called Search by Michelle Hunnivan. I was really excited about this one. It's a novel, but it's set up to be like a memoir. The main character is a food critic and a food writer. She needs a subject for her next book. And when she is asked to be on the search committee at her Universalist Unitarian Church, she agrees um, with the secret caveat, oh, she's the only one who knows, that she's going to keep notes and write her next book about the search committee for the new pastor. Um, And then include recipes as the search committee meets at potluck meals. So I just thought this was could be a really fun look at faith and food. I'm not a Unitarian Universalist. <laughs> I may have said those backwards once or both times. Sure. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, um, but as somebody who has been on the search committee for a new pastor, <laughs> I found it just striking the similarities. So it was really, really interesting all the way through. I liked this main character a lot. I liked the structure of the book. It opened with her introduction to the second printing of this book. Like, the whole thing is set up like it's a memoir. So the main character has written her introduction to the second printing of this book. I was a little bit disappointed in the ending because I really, I was expecting something different the whole way through. If you read it, I think that you'll understand what I'm saying. But I really did enjoy the food talk, the faith thoughts, and mostly just the way that within a church congregation, no matter what kind of denomination it is, that we interact with each other, that we form friendships, and we have friction together. And those things, you know, as a person of faith who is, you know, currently starting at a new church, I find those things really interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's always a daunting thing because, I mean, I, I know how you've gone through it. Generally, it's lay people who are not really particularly qualified to, to do this <laughs> search and hunt and you're really trying hard not to mess up and, you know so yeah i think there's a, a unique uh, uh atmosphere around that oh i remember when they asked me to be on the committee there was no new pastor to be hired and they said you meet maybe once a month it's, it's no big deal <laughs> and then there was a new pastor to be hired and we met like every week <laughs> it was it was an ordeal anyway um the next one is called how to fake it in hollywood by ava wilder it is a continuation for me in the theme of reading about fictional celebrities um this is another this in this one um both of the main characters are celebrities and they each are having a struggling um career moment and so their mutual agent or their mutual publicity person Mm -hmm. puts the two of them together and gets them to agree to a fake dating relationship to kickstart both of their careers um, lots and lots of drama, two very likable characters, which is why I stuck with this one all the way through. So it was just a fun, really light summary read. I took it with us as we went out of town. It was, it was very good for that kind of purpose. Then I read Now What by Sarah Stewart Holland and Beth Silvers. 
It's the first audiobook I've ever finished. So <laughs> I really wanted to read this book, and the only way that our library had it was audio. It's a nonfiction book, so I said, let's give it a shot. These two women lead the Pantsuit Politics podcast, and if you've never checked that out, it's worth checking out. Um, they talk about all of the political issues, and they come from different sides of the spectrum, but over the course of their podcast, they have moved much closer together. So they wrote a book several years ago called I Think You're Wrong, But I'm Listening, and it was about how to have political discourse um, with people you disagreed with. And this one, basically, the now what, I don't remember the subtitle, but um, now what is about in a world that is so divided politically, as it, I don't think anybody can argue that it is, how do we pick up the pieces and go on and find community with people we love that still disagree with again? So I thought it was a really, really great book. It was very easy to listen to. Both of the authors narrated it. You know, they're, they're podcasters, so they're used to this kind of thing. They split it up very well. Um, I like both of them a lot, and I thought this book had a lot of good advice. Well, they, they really uh, hit a vein when they came along. I mean, they're kind of a big deal in their community. And they're and, Kentucky girls. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I had a lot of respect off the first book. It's definitely one that I think I'm going to check out because this idea of, of civility and finding common ground and being able to have these increasingly difficult conversations uh, is one that, that matters, and it's... Worth preserving, uh, I'll put it that way. Definitely. The next book that I read is called Remarkably Bright Creatures by Shelby Van Pelt. This book is not going to sound as good as it is. It is about an elderly woman who, were, who lost her son many years ago when he was 18. Her husband has died of cancer, and she cleans floors, like clean, does the custodial work at night in an aquarium. <clears throat> local to where she is in Washington, mostly for something to do. She doesn't need the money. And she befriends the giant Pacific octopus that is there. His name is Marcellus. <laughs> and it is with his help that she unlocks the answers to some questions she has been searching for. So honestly, if I had read the premise first, I'm not sure I would have read this book, but instead, I saw several people who said this was one of the best books of the year. It was wonderful. I requested it from the library without even reading what it was about because there were so many people who I trusted who said <laughs> this book was great. And when I got it and opened it, I was like, oh, God, an octopus book. <laughs> I was not sure I wanted to read it. It was worth the hype. And um, that synopsis does not do it justice. Beautiful characters, really smart writing. Um they were maybe a little bit too long, but the buildup was worth it. Like, the, the payoff was worth it. So if you're going to read one octopi-related novel <laughs> this year, this is the one? This is the one. <laughs> All right, last book that I read over these two weeks is called Falling Together by Marissa De Los Santos. My sister, Christy, recommended this one to me. Actually, she put it in my hands and said, you have to read it because it is beautiful. <laughs> I had only read one book by this author before, and I think that all of her books are connected. Like, she writes about the same characters, maybe. You don't have to read all of the books to know what's going on. They, It's my understanding. The two that I've read, I had no problems knowing what's going on, even though I have not read all of her books. Um but it's been so long since I read the other one that I don't know how these characters connected in. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But it doesn't matter. 
Um, this was the story of three uh, college friends, Penn, Will, and Kat, who were such close friends in high in college. And then after high school, their friendship fell apart. And then this book is the story, the title, Falling Together, of them putting their own individual lives back together and then finding their ways, in some ways, back to each other. It was really, really beautifully written. There was one line in particular at the end of it where um, one of the characters, Penn, was thinking about just the wonder and the beauty and the small things. Just such a lovely book to read in the summer, and I'm really glad Christy recommended it to me. You had a, a thorough list from Octopi to Relationships and Back Again, huh? This is how I roll. Well, the shared read is, uh, as is increasingly our situation, not a new book for you, uh, but a new book for me. It was The Gunkle by Stephen Rowley, and you read this a year ago, and uh, it really stuck with you, and as tends to happen, we go to record one of these and go, what on earth are we going to read next time? And you were like, what about this? That, that did sound good. Okay, let's do that. Um, so, since uh, you made me read it, I'm going to let you refresh it, uh, remind our massive audience uh, exactly what this book is. Okay, I'm going to give it a shot, but I read it a year ago, <laughs> and you finished it today, so probably the summary should come from you. You can just fill in any holes. So Patrick is our main character. He is the Gunkle. Um, he, the story revolves around him and his niece and nephew. Their mother has just died. Um, their father, who is Patrick's brother, um, has just he's out of his mind with grief. And he sends these two kids to live with Patrick for a while um, so that he can kind of get himself back together. And so you get these two just absolutely broken children who show up at the house of this uncle who they've only met a few times, really. And they're both really young. Even mm -hmm. if they've been around him a lot, they're not, they don't have strong memories of this or anything. They're desperately missing their mother. Um, and what they don't understand when they show up is that he is also desperately missing their mother who um, in college and before she married his brother, the two of them were very best friends. You're up. Uh, that uh, sums it up pretty well. Uh, this is the kind of book that if you pick it up and you look at the cover, you're going to be like, okay, it's just going to be totally light and fluffy. Yeah, absolutely. We've got a dog and two kids on the cover and this fairly obviously gay man who's leading the, the pack. Um, well, and you've got the bright yellow Yeah, cover, it's very cartoonish. The pink right. and purple letters. Each of the people walking in a line, each is holding something in his or her right hand. A book, <laughs> an ice cream cone, a martini glass. Yeah. Remember when I picked this up, I really thought that this was just going to be kind of slapstick. Just really silly, really funny. Um, it, it was funny, but it was also profound and deeply moving. Yeah, it, it really in a lot of ways is a novel about how we're all broken and we're all making sense of our own grief uh, and the inevitability of, of life. Um, and, and to have this relationship get cemented, which really is the backbone of the book, is, is really a beautiful thing. Uh, we were talking about this book earlier and two things that really came to mind for me for this book. 
as an English major in college, I read a lot of books from like the 19th century, which were about young men uh, growing their identity, becoming who they were. There, there's even a term for that. I don't remember. No, uh, I don't I'm either. a bad English major. But well, it's been 20 years. There, there's there's a name for, for those kind of Bildungsroman? I, I don't know. Whatever it is. Uh, but it was that common. And I feel like increasingly I'm reading novels now that are about middle-aged people, which is where I'd put Patrick. I mean, he's a couple of years older than I am, but... Uh, up to older people, think of a novel like uh, A Man Called Uve, which we loved deeply. And which you saw a lot of connections. I really did, oddly up. enough. Uh, and and well, they're about people kind of refinding themselves. And you know, I'm looking at what is on the table in front of me, the things that I'm reading. Um, the one on the very top, a novel about a middle-aged woman trying to figure out where she went wrong. The one underneath it is a book of devotionals. Which could go for any age, but it's written by a middle-aged woman, and so a lot of the things... And I think part of this is because so many authors, maybe, are getting a later start. It used to be that if an author hadn't made some kind of big debut by 25 or whatever, um, it was hard to break in. But it's getting more and more that authors are older, and it's also getting... You know, people are living longer, so the most interesting part of our lives is no longer teenage years to 25. Right. But as we live longer and longer and longer, you know, your retirement could be 20 or 30 years instead of like five. Right. right. So so those second parts of your life are so much more interesting. Patrick is not retirement age. No, but he's, he's a, a semi-retired yeah, celebrity in yeah. essence. He's so he hasn't to, worked in a while yeah. and he's kind of just been living a life of indolence in California, aimlessness, until these two kids come into his life who desperately needs somebody and who desperately needs somebody who remembers their mother. And so he's able to help these two kids begin to come to grips with this and start on the path to healing. But he's holding their hands the whole time because he is right there with them. Yeah, and his inadequacy that he's very aware of well, he, is so humbling. It's so beautiful uh, because it resonates. Ultimately, we're all inadequate for the important relationships in life. And it's that awareness that makes us able to love each other better. I think the Gunkel rules were maybe one of my very (laughs) favorite parts of the book because he never wanted kids. He doesn't know what to do with kids. He doesn't know how to handle them. One of the first things he has to address, isn't it, the fact that he wears his caftans all the time. And the little boy thinks it's a dress. And he has to explain, like, you know, just, this is, this is how he wants to live um, and how he wants to dress himself. And, the Gunkel rules at first are mostly like, you know, he'll, he'll make up Gunkel rule number one. We don't mention whatever. or You know, just making up something to try to have some control in the situation in which he feels like these two kids have invaded his life and everything's out of control. But then they become things that make life easier for everybody that lead to a shared understanding. Remember what the last one is? For everybody who's living in this house. No. Live every day. Yeah. So it, it, it grows into something that's really quite beautiful and brings comfort and structure not only to the kids, but to him. And the other thing that we talked about uh, before we did this, the non-traditional family. It, it's another thing that pops up in, that in a million more and more, ways. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's beautiful here. Uh, you kind of get this side-by-side narrative of, of them as a de facto family and, and how well that works and how beautiful that is. And he thinks back in his own past in the ways that his biological family, in many ways, they failed him and he's failed them. 
so that's another thing that I read a lot now. And obviously, you don't have to be a social scientist to see the culture writ large in that. Uh, but but it's another thing that, that made this book interesting, that made this book relevant, uh, and ultimately made this book, yeah, it, it, it is fun and bright and silly, but there's so much more going on here. And, and it was a much more profound book uh, than a brightly colored front cover would have set me up for. I feel like when I talked about it last year, you said, that sounds really good. Maybe I'll read that sometime. Mm -hmm. And so when we were trying to think what we wanted to read, I suggested it. And you were like, well, okay, mostly because you didn't have any better ideas. And it was another one that I kind of had to push you into a little bit more. Okay, we have the book. Have you started it? Are you re But then once you got into it. Oh, it flew through. Yeah. yeah. You just, I think you did love it. So. Oh, very much. Very, very enjoyable read. Interesting. I still maintain it would make a heck of a movie, as I thought. I hope that they will make it a movie. About it. Yeah, and it will be. It's a great summer read, but it doesn't have to stay a summer read. It, it's a good read any time of the year. And I'm still campaigning. You pointed <laughs> out at the time I said Rupert Everett. I think he could do it, but I no. think Matthew Perry would be better. <laughs> Rupert Everett dates you. <laughs> he says just. Because oh, what is the last movie he's been Rupert in? Rupert Everett makes me seem old. Rupert Everett doesn't date me. You're you know what I mean. You're so... <laughs> what's the last movie you've seen him in? I don't know what's the last movie I've seen. That's another <laughs> question. That might date me. But anyway. Yeah. So Matthew Perry, what about that? Matthew, I know Friends was a long time ago. But Matthew Perry has a lot of the same vibes. Well, and, and was part of a very successful TV show that kind of left all of them in a hole thereafter, which is kind of where this guy comes from. So that whole self-referential thing would be fun. Not to mention that I realized that Mr. Rowley's other novels, the editor, which looks like it's about Jackie Kennedy, either that or that's an incredibly deceptive cover, huh. and she was an editor, and Lily and the Octopus. So there you go. Full circle. How about that? Another Octopi-related moment. You can make a silly connection about anything. I swear <laughs> to goodness. All right. Thank you for uh, joining us this week. If you have any ideas of other things that we should be reading um, or any thoughts about the Gunkle, please let us know. You can get in touch with us at paperbackreaderspod at gmail.com, on Instagram at paperbackreaderspod, or on Twitter at pbackreaderspod. Tune in back with us in two weeks when we are going to read um, the book that I mentioned earlier, Now What? by Sarah Holland and Beth Silvers. Why not? I'll just continue on this trail. You're just uh, picking, uh, reading books that I'm picking. You know what? You need to go through your stuff and you're way overdue for a choice at the shared read, but you've got to find something I'm going to like. Yeah, These Buffalo Bills highlights are outstanding. I'm just going to tell you. No, we'll, we'll work on that front. Hope you like the new music. I, I got sick of the old. And this is our 50th episode. It is. So, so thank you for joining us. Truly a holiday festive sort of day. <laughs> Whether you've been with us for all 50 episodes or you are just picking up today, we appreciate you. We love hearing from you. And whatever else you're doing, hopefully staying cool. For goodness sakes, keep reading. <laughs>